Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Numbers 21 verses 4 through 9. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and they spoke against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people with many Israelites, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake, put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake lived. The epistle lesson is from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, 
made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It was by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise for the gospel. to St. John, the third chapter. As we've heard the reading so far, we're getting this image of what's happening with Israel and their disobedience and their complaining against God and, and God uh, bringing uh, judgment to them, but also bringing a, a way to be saved. And Paul then reminds us that uh, we've been saved by grace through faith. And then Jesus, in, in our reading here, uh, ties those two together. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. We continue with our sermon hymn, hymn number 571, God Love the World So That He Gave.
May God's grace and mercy and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our first reading from Numbers chapter 21. Let us pray. Dearest Jesus, we are thankful for your love, your forgiveness, and sacrifice on our behalf. Help us to look to you all our days, and may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. Growing up in South Florida, in Miami, there was a place I remember as a child. It's, it's no longer there, but it was a place that could really creep you out, all right? Uh, it was called the Miami Serpentarium. It was open in 1947 and hosted about 50,000 visitors a year until its closing in 1984. On the cover of your bulletin, and, and right here up on the screen, uh, you have a, a picture of the giant cobra statue uh, that greeted people as they entered. In fact, you, you sort of see at the bottom there, if you don't, there, there's a woman standing there. So you can see this. It's a pretty significant uh, piece, of, uh, uh, piece of sculpture there. Bill Haast was the leader of this venture. In 1990, 1965, excuse me, he housed more than 500 snakes in 400 cages and three pits in the courtyard. He extracted venom 70 to 100 times a day from 60 species of venomous snakes, usually in front of a paying audience, right? And during the 50s, he was bitten by cobras about 20 times. And there were a lot of times that he would donate his blood to be used to treat snake bite victims when a suitable anti-venom uh, was not available. How do you feel about snakes? Yeah. Uh, I had some people last night at church, they came in and they saw that on the cover of the bolt, and they're like, ugh, you know, uh, it got them right away. For some of you, all I have to do is just mention that word, right? And that's enough to cause that shudder to go through your body. Uh, that's pretty much how I feel about snakes. Some people go ahead and enjoy them as pets. Why? I don't know, but they do. They like them, right? Uh, and I've seen them, and they're, they're just as fine as long as they're in that container, right, and not get out. Growing up in South Florida, and for me, spending some time in the Everglades with hunting and such, I've had more than enough encounters with snakes, and I've even had to kill a few uh, over the years. But as we look at them in nature and in the wild, that snake is slithering through the grass, and, or anywhere else for that matter, and it's enough to give us the heebie-jeebies for some of us. And, and uh, for me, it doesn't matter, just keep them away, and that's fine, right? Uh, but uh, sometimes that's just... That's just the good snakes. What about the poisonous ones? Uh, some of those snakes' venoms is uh, enough to kill you in a short amount of time. A poisonous snake bite is so deadly that if you're attacked, you better get medical help and anti-venom quickly. I guess that most of us would probably be pretty cautious when it comes to snakes. But there's something even more deadly than snakes and poisonous snake bites. In the Old Testament reading today, we join the children of Israel they're sort of at the end of their 40-year wandering in the wilderness. They've been wandering for a very, very long time, and it's now 37 years after God had told them that all those that were 20 years or older would die and never see the promised land, except two, Caleb and Joshua. And after all these years, after this whole new generation came in, we see that the attitude is pretty much still the same. 
right? This is the next generation, and they're still complaining to God. The, the, the long years are over. They're headed to the promised land. That land is flowing with milk and honey, as God describes it. But the kingdom of Edom uh, stood between them and Canaan. And, and the king of Edom uh, would not let them pass through his territory. So they, they had another option. And so uh, the, to head straight north, and, and the Canaanite king came out and stopped them too. They could not go through. They called on the Lord for his help. They defeated him. So, hey, let's go. We got him on the run, right? But the Lord had other ideas. Remember how the Lord guided them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Well, he led them in the opposite direction, back into the desert again on a long detour around Edom. Now, I can imagine the, the comments in the crowd, right? Come on, God. The promised land is so close. Why do we have to go around that way? And, the, and their reaction, we read, we heard today, the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Well, that complaining is not too far apart from us, is it? Not too different from you and me. One thing goes wrong in our lives, and what happens? You know, our, our plans don't turn out quite the way we had hoped, and, and we go ahead and we start complaining about everything and everyone. Nothing is good enough, right? It's amazing the children of Israel, Israel so quickly forgot how gracious God had been to them because what had happened? God had provided uh, the freedom from slavery in Egypt. He had provided water, enough water and manna and quail to allow over a million of them to survive in the desert for 40 years. <laughs> and since they would not have the resources to, to make anything in the desert, the shoes and the clothing by the promise of God did not wear out over those 40 years. God kept his promises. He had, he had promised blessing upon blessing upon blessing along the way. You think God would know what he's doing, right? <laughs> but Israel... Didn't think he did. They had a better idea. And when God didn't go along with it, they complained again. You see, the deadly nature of sin had really gotten to them and bitten them, if you will, pretty hard. And God reminded them how deadly that sin was by sending something else that was deadly. Snakes. God sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. Now, what's interesting is that this generation... Was well, a little different from their forefathers in one way. They repented a lot faster. <laughs> they turned around, right? The people came to Moses and said, We've sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Well, what about us? I mean, like, like father like son, like mother like daughter. I mean, we too have this deadly poison of sin in our veins ever since our birth. We human beings are impatient people. We want things now, right? Do you know why it's important to understand that? Because it's just human nature. The sinful nature within us does not trust God. And we believe that he's treating us badly. It's human nature to think that God's just sort of holding things back, right? All the good stuff because he's a big party pooper, you know? Uh, we think that we're better off when we follow our own rules. After all, it'll be way more fun, right? I mean, we, we saw that last week when we talked about the commandments. 
That's why you treat your parents' rules the way that you do, looking for a way to get around them so you can go out and really have some fun. That's why we lust after people that we're not married to. That's why the same reason you fantasize about, about all the other things, right? Being bigger, cuter, richer, or more popular. You can't seem to be content with the extraordinary blessings God has already given you. It's the same lie Adam and Eve heard from the beginning, that serpent so many years ago, millennia ago. God doesn't have your best interest at heart. He's keeping that tasty treat away from you, and you know it. Not only will it not kill you, you know what it's going to do? It's going to make you smarter, it's going to make you happier, and it's going to make you even more like God. Yeah. You see, sin had really gotten into them. And the venomous snakes that God sent to Israel remind you and me that the wages of such sin really are. Many people died, no cure for that snake bite. Neither can we manufacture a cure or antidote for the snake bite of sin. It just takes one, one sin, right? And the result is fatal. Paul tells us, for the wages of sin is death. Only God could provide a remedy to save you and me from death especially eternal death, and God has done exactly that. The Lord saw true repentance in the hearts of the people. He heard Moses' prayer, and we read about the remedy. It says, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who is bidden can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on a pole, and then when anyone was bidden by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Now, that's a a pretty surprising remedy, don't you think? God didn't remove the snakes. Instead, God left them there. <laughs> but what he did do is he took the very symbol of that death, the snake, and made it a remedy for death. The bronze symbol of death on a pole brought them life and saved them. And so, my friends, our remedy to save us from sin and death is exactly the same, isn't it? The Lord took a symbol of death, a, a cross, didn't he, to bring us life. The cross is that surprising symbol of salvation because Jesus, uh, in Jesus' day, it, it, people could look at that and only picture death and pain and suffering because it reminded people of the cruelty of the Roman style of execution. The Romans wanted to make it as terrible and as painful and as humiliating as possible so that no one would ever want to be crucified. And yet God uses that to bring our salvation. It was there Jesus takes the deadly bite of sin for you and me, dying from its venom so that we won't have to. It was required, what was required of those that were saved from death through the snake bites when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. There was a trust in that promise to look and live. God promised to save them. He told them that by looking at that bronze snake, they'd be saved from death. And so everyone who believed in that promise and looked at the surprising symbol of death, they lived. It was God who saved them. Of course, they really did nothing themselves. But, but the... Uh, most famous, the most recognizable passage of Scripture has its roots here in this account. In the surprising remedy of the bronze snake, we heard as we started the gospel reading today where Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up that snake in the desert, 
Son of Man must be lifted up as well. So that everyone who looks to him, everyone who believes in him, may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For us, it takes the look to live, doesn't it? Looking to the cross with the eyes of faith. And we will not perish like we deserve, but we will have eternal life. Let's go back to the desert for a moment. Uh, you can just imagine all this stuff. is probably pretty chaotic that was happening. People were screaming and running from the snakes. And can you imagine an Israelite on the ground moaning in agony, uh, dying of a venomous snake bite, when a friend approaches and says, Hey, I've been bitten too, but hey, God's promised a way for us. Look at the bronze snake and you will live. That person on the ground, I doubt, would ever say, No, I don't want to look at it. I don't want God's miracle. <laughs> Right? Hardly. And yet today, so many people see the cross, the cross of Jesus, and refuse to believe that he is the only way of salvation. Perhaps it's because they don't think that they're in a life and death situation. Perhaps they think that sin's not a really big deal. Perhaps they really don't believe in God. Perhaps they think that all you have to do is you say you're sorry and God pass out forgiveness from that big box full of forgiveness he has uh, in heaven and it's taken care of and we don't have to worry about it again. But you know, God wants us to see that the cost of sin is high. Every sin had to be paid for, paid for. Forgiveness does not come cheap. For us to have it, it meant the cross and the suffering and the death of Jesus. What a joy it is to know Jesus took that deadly bite of sin, of God's judgment for us. With the eyes of faith, we look to the cross, and are you, are you down and out? Because life just doesn't seem to be going right. We look to the cross, don't we? There on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are you hurting because of the things that you've done? Look to the cross because there we heard those words, Father, forgive them, right? Are you fearful about what might happen after you die? Look to the cross because there we have that promise, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because Jesus Christ was forsaken in our place, we never have to fear that God will forsake us. You know what happened to the original bronze snake? Well, the people of Israel, they took it with them. They carried it into the promised land. But what was, as, as often happens, it, uh, the, it, it loses, it gets disconnected from its original meeting. And, and so over the years, they forgot that the serpent on the pole was only a symbol. They began to bow down and worship to it, worship it. 800 years after Moses, a king by the name of Hezekiah, a faithful king, destroyed it because it had become like an idol. He called it Nehushtan, which uh, sort of a pun on the word for bronze snake. It meant the unclean thing. And so it is with the cross of Christ. I mean, the cross isn't an idol. It's not a lucky charm for protection or safety. The cross, that cross can't save you. Only God can do that. Only Jesus Christ can do that. What it does, it points us to God and his love. So we cherish the old rugged cross, don't we? Because of what Jesus did there. 
God's remedy to sin is not a thing, it's a person. We look to that cross with our eyes of faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's remedy for the snake bite of sin and death and hell. And what's interesting is as we've been going through uh, these midweek services and then our Sunday services, that refrain we've had all, all Lenten long in our midweek services seems to be appropriate yet again. By his wounds, we have been healed. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Thank you.
Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.